365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 35 of Purple Psychology. I'm Marie O'Riordan, explorepurplepsychology.com. Well, hello there, Dr. Nisha O'Reilly. Welcome. Thank you. We're starting off to talk about Lego. My greatest memory of Lego is when my godmother, who's also my aunt, gave me the biggest, hugest, or so it looked at the time when I was five years of age, a massive box of Lego for my fifth birthday and I still remember it to this day as the bee's knees, the best present I probably ever received. How about you? What's your Lego story? Because everyone has a Lego story. Well I still occasionally make Lego because I like the architectural Lego. Um, We've talked about Lego in the past, we've talked about creativity in the past in podcasts. Um, I think Lego is a great way for some people to relax because it you become completely immersed in just making the object and you forget about everything else. Um, And I I really, some people can really benefit by doing activities like that even later on. And we talked about like the revival of colouring books and so on recently for adults. Um, But what LEGO are doing now is they've they've teamed up with with Cambridge University um, to explore the idea of serious LEGO play. Serious play. Like what we do in companies. Yeah, but... It, it is interesting because, yes, it's great to see companies taking creativity on board. Um, but reading this article, basically, you're using Lego to, to build ideas in, in real, actual space. You know, I thought they looked quite boring in that story. Sorry. Well, it's not that. It's just that they're still not taking into account that different personalities process information in different ways. And I've started to do more and more work um, on this over the last couple of months because there, I used to think that some people were just practical and other people weren't. But I've since realised that if I give people things to, to build, which I do as part of my sessions, um, it's one of the games is, is to build an object for me. And different personalities go about building things in different ways. It's not, you don't have the same practical, there's different scales of practicality and and how you, there's actually two types of practical depending mm-hmm. on your personality. Yeah, you've spoken about this. Yeah, and so they're not taking any of this into account in, in, in the article and they're Is not... Is that why you reached out to Lego HQ? Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, just, I just feel it lacks depth. Yes, great. I'm sure people would be ecstatic at their boring board meetings if there was a box of Lego in the middle of the table. And in Lego factory, um, in every space, there is a bowl of Lego to build stuff. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, how does it feel to be stalked by Lego? <laughs> um, I'm serious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, so yes, I think that's a great, great move forward. I, I think, you know, there's an awful lot of people in companies they will be a lot happier making stuff than just sitting around and talking. Um, but I think they need to put a bit more depth into it. And it was funny because a parent said to me recently, and, and this summed it up for me, um, they said that their their first child was much easier to play with than their second child. Um, and children do play differently. And I, it's again, it's another one of my questions I asked during the session because um, 
it's fundamental to your personality. Not everybody plays in the same way, and this isn't included in the article at all. So if you suddenly want to make play serious, um, you need to start looking at the depths of what, what makes it serious or not serious. There are stories in my family about how what I would do and how I would play. What, what about you? What did you do? Um, I... I was really happy playing by myself, but a lot of people put that down to me being an only child. But it's a lot deeper than that. I was an escape artist. I have, and still have, I, I still have incredible upper body strength. I was able to put my two arms on my plate pen before I could walk and whoo, fling myself out onto the floor so I could crawl around the floor and not be tied in. <laughs> I think I've probably taken that psychology through adulthood. <laughs> I would question why you had a play pen. I had oh. a... Yeah, I... I, I yeah, is, yeah, I was in a play pen. Yeah, yeah I'd really question that. Oh. But let's not go there. I see. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, so um, another article that you sent me, actually, was all about dress codes in companies. Oh, a recent yeah, report. I loved that. And actually, it was interesting because you mentioned there about Lego teaming up with Cambridge University. And you brought me to Cambridge University... And Oxford University with you to see where you studied. And that was jammy. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, that was, that was enjoyable. And also to see the difference in how the students and the people in Oxford uh, would dress. And the people in Cambridge, how they would dress. And, and you had to like get dressed up for all these formal meetings and dinners and all that kind of stuff as well. Yes, and, and there's some colleges in Ireland where you have to get dressed up. And I have interviewed somebody who actually got turfed out of um, an organisation because they weren't dressed appropriately. So, what's your insight into the piece? Um, well, basically, they were complaining about how people were turned out in the office. And this simultaneously came about um, the same week as Barclays have introduced their employees having to wear suits. So, I, I think there's a, a real shift. I, I think in a lot of ways, it's good for people to be able to wear the clothes they want to wear because they, they feel more relaxed. But... There has been a sense that a lot of the, the new age technology companies, um, a lot of their CEOs, who we won't name, are very badly <laughs> dressed. And, um, we work with some of them. <coughs> yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, they're appallingly dressed. It's not they're badly dressed. They're appallingly dressed. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, and so, you know, there's a big difference between dress down Friday and maybe being a bit more casual and not being suited and booted and wearing a tracksuit. And I think that a lot of universities um, should possibly ban students wearing tracksuits, and that would be massively controversial. But I don't feel that the way a lot of students are dressed is going to empower them to do well. And we have been mentoring um, a university student, um, he's no longer a university student, and he was never dressed in a tracksuit. And he reminded me of myself, because from the first time I met him, he had a briefcase. Yeah, yeah, I, I will. Did you get a lot of stick... In the workplace for that, because I know I did. I used to get killed for that when I was starting out as a rookie, as a junior reporter. I don't know. I, I, I've, just, I've just always had nice bags, and I actually had a briefcase in university as well. Yeah, I, I, I used to hear back stories in, in the workplace, and, and you know there, there'd be a couple of staff members who'd tip me off that another staff member was rooting in my briefcase as well. I was on the air and stuff like that, which is an incredible, you know, if it was breach of privacy or whatever. I just didn't care, but, you know, they'd rip the you-know-what out of me because you'd have a briefcase. When everyone else had a backpack. Well, I know that I got poached by a number of directors because I was so well-dressed. 
I feel a bit guilty at the moment because I've had some issues with my hips and there's these special shoes I'm wearing and they're not up to the business standard that I would expect of myself. How do I get past this one? Hope that some companies start producing things that look don't look like runners. Well, these ones aren't that bad. I Okay, they're not the best, but I'm trying. Well, yeah, but I, I do wish that companies will produce things that look smarter. And mm. I do think it will be very interesting if in third level colleges you couldn't wear tracksuits. An employee came to me because they've been working in a Fortune 500 company for, oh gosh, I mean, you know, nearly two decades at this point, but they, they were, you know, overruled, I suppose, or just weren't getting the promotions or the job promotions they were going for. And um, they were asking me why. And, I, and, you know, I was a bit, you know me, I was a bit blunt. And I said, you're wearing torn jeans, you're pairing a pair of runners, uh, you're wearing a backpack and your hair hasn't been cut. And as soon as they, you know, smartened up, they got the promotion. Yes, it, it, may, it does make a big impact. But it's very interesting when there's a high level organisation brought in to look at state departments and how, what they're wearing. And Barclay has to tell their staff to wear suits again in order to to look like they have the self-worth for the level of business that they should be doing. Interesting. So yeah. It's okay to be individual, but what you're saying is to smarten up, especially even at university level. Yeah, I, 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 I think there needs to be a massive shift. I, I, I think... I think there's been a, a big change in attitude since the way people dress. Like, um, and... It's, it's affecting their performance across the scale and they don't realise it. I went to a fabulous private college, a business school, uh, close to where I grew up. And the first thing that we had to do when, um, when we started was we all had to go out and buy a proper business suit to conduct our business um, in class. And I thought that was absolutely fabulous. Yeah, and when I managed the programme, I used to really look forward to the negotiations exercise day because all the students came in phenomenally well-dressed as if they were doing proper business negotiations and it was it was just it was brilliant to see. Mm. I went for the general manager position in the school shop in the secondary school for fifth year and, of course, you know, everyone thought, oh, she's not going to get it. And I was, oh, yeah, I was chosen as, as, as general manager. I was a surprise, surprise. But uh, they brought in this outside um, management consultant to do the interviews and to pick people. And I was pretty chuffed at that one. I mean, I think that really stands out. And I was 17 years of age to be put in that position as a general manager of a school shop. I think it has really stood me even to this day. What do you think about opportunities like that um, in school or, or in the school shop or enterprises at school level in secondary school? I think they're incredibly important I, and I think it very much depends on the school you go to as to whether those opportunities are there. Like I did mock interviews in my final year in school and I had two very high level parents who came in and did the interview with me and I then ended up having them argue with each other as to whether or not I could do my chosen career as a dyslexic. I just set them on each other. I found it very entertaining. Yeah, well, I, I find it quite you know gratifying when an outside consultant chooses you as the general manager when everyone in your class, eh, she's never going to get it, she's too stupid or blah, blah. And, you know, did a formal resume, CV and stuff like that. So that was very, very helpful for going forward. Okay, so talking about shops on a different note, um, I saw a really cool Japanese bookshop that only has one book a week. Oh, that's brilliant. It's because the attention spans in Asia, as I've noticed, are really not the best. No, I don't think it's that. I think that a lot of retail has, has moved away from the fact that, you know, less is more. 
And it's interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot in different countries that we travel to. And people don't take into a fact people don't take into account that shoppers have different confidence levels in different countries. And it depends how you lay out your shop as to whether people feel comfortable. And that depends on the on, on the different countries. It, you know, it, it's not the same everywhere. And the shop layout and presentation is almost like in your DNA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I do take a lot more a lot more note of that. But I... I do think it's it's really interesting that a bookshop would be brave enough to just stock one book. I think that's phenomenal. You showed me the story and I went, oh, that's fantastic. But what I did say was is because the intention spans are so, you know, the turnaround is so fast and the attention isn't there. I mean, look at TV in Asia. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's fairly manic. It's manic. It's like zoo, we would call it in the media circles, you know, zoo radio, zoo TV. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a very it's it's very different. But uh, but I I think, you know, all those shops you walk into that have rails and rails and rails of things. Maybe they should start thinking. Ooh, yeah. So I think I'll finish up on that. Thank you. Episode thirty-five of Purple Psychology. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, thanks for being here. Thank you. You can explore purplepsychology.com. Really appreciate you tuning in all around the world. Talk to you next time. 365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Reardon. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store.